Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 105. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Hey, Fire Nation. Are you ready to launch a website? I've created a free step-by-step video that will walk you through the process of buying your domain, installing WordPress, and creating your first post all in under seven minutes. Visit entrepreneuronfire.com slash blue to find out more and take your entrepreneurial leap today. Okay, let's get started. I am simply inspired to introduce my guest today, James Altucher. James, are you prepared to ignite? Yes, I am totally ready to ignite. Let's lift off. My man. James has started and sold several companies over the past 20 years. He ran a venture capital firm, traded for hedge funds, ran a fund of hedge funds, and has written 10 books. I've given Fire Nation a little overview, James, but why don't you take a minute, tell us about you personally, and then take another minute and tell us about your business. Sure. So... So I've kind of gone the full range of businesses that I've started uh, and businesses that I've failed at. So, so I've, I've started and sold a couple of different businesses. I've started and failed at probably 20 additional businesses. And I've lived to tell and, and write the tale, which, which I do you know, every day or every other day on, on my blog and on other uh, places where I write. So my first business uh, was building websites for entertainment companies. So if you have a favorite gangster rap label, I probably made the initial website for that rap label. What a uh, niche. Yes, it was definitely uh, very focused. We did rap labels, uh, movie studios, and television companies, and Con Edison. So one <laughs> utility company. I guess Y2K at the time almost made them like, a, uh, a gangster rap label, or at least that's the image that they were trying to present. So then, my, you know, I've, I had several other companies. I had a VC fund, I had a wireless software company. Um, I started trading for hedge funds. I ran a fund of hedge funds where I allocated to other traders. And uh, finally, I started a company, stockpicker.com, which was a website for financial services. And I, 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 additionally, I sold my first company, the website, website development company, and I sold this company, stockpicker.com. And then since then, I've been a very active angel investor. Uh, I was a seed investor in Buddy Media, for instance, which just got bought by Salesforce.com for $900 million. I'm probably an angel investor in 20 other companies. I write for the Wall Street Journal, for Forbes, the Financial Times, TechCrunch. I've written 10 books. Uh, I'm on the board of uh, a public company in the staffing industry. The, the company has about a half a billion dollars in revenues. I'm on the board of several private companies. And uh, that's kind of a rough summary. It's, it's sort of like the high-level approach. Uh, along the way, I've drastically failed at many other companies. So kind of these successes don't tell the real tale, which is all the times that I was literally crying on the floor, you know, after failure upon failure. But, you know, I think the important thing is I, I didn't look upon those things or I learned to not look upon them ultimately as failures and help those drive future successes. So, like I said, I live to tell the tale. 
James, if Shark Tank asked you to make a guest appearance on their panel, would you do so? Oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I watch every episode of Shark Tank, actually, usually with my kids, and we decide right there with the shark. I pause throughout the the um, episode, and we decide right there with the sharks what we think of each company. And uh, usually we disagree with the sharks, but that's that's another point. My, my kids are uh, more harsh venture capitalists than any of those sharks are. <laughs> I love it. I could definitely see you on that show. And I look forward to delving more into your journey a little bit into the interview. But before we do, we start every show off with our guest's favorite success quote. It's kind of our way of getting the motivational ball rolling and getting our listeners pumped for this content that you had to share with us today, James. So what's your success quote you'd like to share with Fire Nation? Well, and this is one that I heard from, from Warren Buffett back in 2003, uh, somebody asked him what his measurement of success was. And so here's a guy who was worth or is worth $50 billion. And uh, he said, you measure success by the number of people who love you. And he said, the best way to be loved is to be lovable. And I always thought that was a great way to measure success and a, uh, a good way to live life in general. That is. And let's bring it down to the ground level for you, James. How do you apply that quote or that mentality to your business? Well, you know, my business in general, I I kind of have a multitude of businesses in the sense that I'm an angel investor, I'm a board member, I'm a company advisor, and I'm a writer. And I write about everything from entrepreneurship to health and wellness. And so the way it applies to me, and I think it should really apply to every entrepreneur, is you should focus every day not on how much money can I bring in today or how much additional sales I can bring in today, but you should always be thinking, how can I enhance the lives of the people around me? And who are the people around you? Well, you have employees, you have customers, you have investors, you have partners and colleagues, you have family members, you have friends. Uh, all of these people are your universe of people that you need to enhance. You want to enhance their lives. You want your employees to feel the vision of your company and that they're also helping enhance the lives of the customers of your business. You want your customers to realize that if they do business with you, their lives will be enhanced and the lives of their uh, partners and family members and so on will be enhanced. You want your investors to always feel like that their contribution to your success is going to only serve to increase their success. So again, this philosophy of not, you know, always be selling, which is the Alec Baldwin phrase and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, um, but always be enhancing should be your, your mantra that you live by. And, and by doing that, everyone's going to be happy to be around you. And everyone's going to essentially, you know, love is a strong word, but that is what's going to make you lovable to the people around you, is if they know that by being close to you, it's going to enhance their own lives. And so, so how, do you, how do you know, how do you wake up with a philosophy that today I'm going to enhance the lives of the people around me? You've got to look in the mirror first and, say, and look at the person that's most important to enhance, which is yourself. And this is not said in a selfish way, but if you only focus on enhancing the lives of the people around you and you forget about yourself, the well is going to run dry. You have to be an ocean and not a well. The well eventually empties in a drought. The ocean never experiences a drought. And how do you become the ocean? You focus on your own 
internal health. This is more important than anything else. And so what does that mean? It means every single day asking yourself these four questions. Am I doing the best I can to enhance my physical health? Am I doing the best I can to enhance my emotional health? And that can mean a variety of things. Am I doing the best I can to enhance my mental health? And I don't mean like sanity versus insanity. I mean, are you being creative? Are you enhancing your idea muscle? Are you reading? Are you getting more information to, to build your life? And then the fourth question is, am I enhancing my spiritual health? Which means, am I being appropriately grateful to the things around me? Am I realizing and recognizing that I can't control every experience around me? I have to surrender control a little bit. Not necessarily to a higher power, that might not mean anything to many people, but just having a sense of surrender, and that's mixed up with gratitude, having that sense of surrender will enhance your spiritual health. Doing those, asking those four questions every day and being as honest as possible and answering them will enhance your own life and will kind of have ramifications like ripples when a rock hits the water. Uh, and will will enhance the people around you, the people who get affected by those ripples. Nope, that's extremely powerful, James. And that's exactly why the stewardesses on planes always say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then help somebody else. Because until you've really helped yourself and made sure that you're okay, you're really not going to be able to have the kind of impact that you need to have on those around you. So could not agree with you more. I love how you put it in those four daily questions. Those are just great questions that we should be reflecting upon every single day. Thank you for sharing that with us. And let's use that to transition now, take a step back and go into your journey as an entrepreneur because you've had quite the journey. You're now sitting as a venture capitalist on some levels and investing in different companies, but earlier in your journey, there was many obstacles, challenges that you came across on a daily basis. Can you share with Fire Nation one failure, one obstacle that you really had to overcome and how you did overcome that? Sure. Well, one of the most important uh, is that uh, I made a lot of money in the 90s boom, and I didn't really know what I was doing. Like I, I kind of came out of the entertainment industry. My, my first job out of school was uh, at HBO, and I was uh, doing various things relating to their business. Uh, and then I started this business making websites, then I sold it, and the internet boom kind of rose all boats, uh, even ones with really stupid captains on them, and I include myself in that. <laughs> and I made all this money, and then I lost all the money. And here I was, 32 years old, uh, or more, 34 years old, and I had made millions of dollars at one point, and then I lost it all. I was dead broke. And it's really depressing because everybody associates money with kind of this weird immortality. Like if you have money, you can do anything. You know, people even describe it as FU money. Somehow you don't have to care about anything if you have this money. And, but the, the, the assumption is, is that if you need money, you have to care about everything. So if you have a lot of money, you care about nothing. And if you uh, need a lot of money, then you have to care about everything. When actually the reverse is almost true. But so here I've lost all this money. I lost my home that I was living in. I lost all my friends because everyone thought I was this big internet genius. And then suddenly, you know, I wasn't a genius anymore because people associate money with intelligence. And 
I was literally, you know, dying on the floor. Like I thought if you had zero, you were dead. Uh, and I, I was completely messed up in terms of my values and my relationship with money. And coming out of that, and, and it wasn't the only time that, that happened to me, but I would say it was the first and the worst. It got a little better after that. The next time I made money, I lost money. And so uh, coming out of that each time was a brutal learning experience. Am I glad it happened? You know how people say, oh, I'm so glad these bad things happened to me, else I wouldn't be the person I am today? I'm re it, it was really horrible. I can't say I'm glad any of it happened. I'm certainly glad where I am today, but I, I wish I could have been here without going through horrible experiences. So, James, can you attribute something that actually pulled you out of that despair that you were in? Something that turned you around? Yes, and only, it's only one thing, and it and it worked each time. Because uh, again, it was more than once, and it's now what I call a daily practice for me. So I don't slip back, and that's again asking these four questions, making sure physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, um, as healthy as possible every day. And it's impossible to be super, nobody's Superman. Nobody is the best they can be emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically every single day. But to at least, you know, acknowledge where you're at and the attempts you're making and to be as present as possible while asking these questions and trying to um, be the best you can with those four uh, different attributes, I think is very important. It's almost as if we have four bodies. So the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, and the spiritual body. And I don't mean this to sound too corny, but this is how I visualize it. In your physical body, if your blood gets blocked in any way, you, you have a heart attack or a stroke and you could die. And so it's almost the same thing with these four bodies. They're interconnected and there's a life force that goes through. And if there's any blockage, you're gonna have uh, some sort of seizure and quote unquote die. And that might mean your business might fail or you get depressed or you uh, lose money or if you lose money, you don't deal with it in the correct way. You don't, you're not able to bounce back strong enough because everybody has highs and lows in terms of money, in terms of moods, in terms of how they feel. But it's how you deal with it, how you bounce back that's dependent on how this life force is flowing through these four bodies. And so that's, that's, a, that's the only way I've been able to get up off the floor. And what happens once the bodies are all healthy? You start coming up with ideas. You start knowing how to execute on those ideas. You start knowing what kind of people to associate with to implement these ideas and turn them into businesses. You start attracting the right kind of people to be either employees or partners or customers or investors or acquirers and things just start to flow. And that word flow is used often in the entrepreneurship world. You know, if you get into the flow, other things don't matter. You don't get as concerned with money or um, the, you know, the normal things that worry people because you're in flow. Well, the way you get in flow is by having these life forces connect with each other and, and this internal health sort of emanate from you. Wow, that's powerful, James. Let's transition now to the other end of the spectrum. You've been really open and honest with us when it comes to failures and challenges that you've encountered, but you've come back from all of these. And 
as entrepreneurs, one thing that's great about what we do every single day is we have these little aha moments and they inspire us and they move us forward and we pivot or we just continue to charge forward because of them. Can you take us back to a time in your journey when you had a light bulb that just went off and you said, wow, this is going to resonate so well with my customers? And how did you turn that moment into success? Okay, uh, there was one time when um, I had a business. My fund of hedge funds was doing very well, but I wanted to sell it. And I got an offer from a bank um, that was a great offer, uh, but it became but it came attached to a six-year employment agreement. And if at any point they fired me during those six years, the entire deal would unwind and I would have to return the money. So this was horrible. Even my lawyer said, uh, you know, I thought they banished slavery, you know, 150 years ago. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what I, I made me realize that I wasn't building any equity value in this fund of hedge funds, even though it was a great business, it was doing well. So it's important for me to build equity value in a business I do. I'm not trying to build a business that makes an income. I'm trying to build a business that can stand on its own without me. And that should be the goal of most entrepreneurs. Not every entrepreneur. If you open a flower store, maybe you want to just make a simple living and you're happy with that. But I wanted to build a business that had sustainable value. So I got back to my roots, which was the internet and you know, ultimately I have a computer science background. So I built about 10 different web businesses simultaneously. I had all these different ideas for internet businesses. Some of them had nothing to do with the others. And so I decided to build them all simultaneously. I was applying the concept, you know, before there was a name for it, I was applying the concept of the lean startup which is just get the website out there and see if people like it and use it. Minimally viable products, yep. Yes, yes. So, so I built these websites super cheap. I programmed them up super cheap. Uh, I designed them super cheap. And again, I did them all simultaneously and I wanted to see what would work and what wouldn't. And uh, I would say nine out of the 10 fell out of the gate. I just couldn't get any excitement out of them. But there was one website where people were like literally addicted to. And what was interesting was is that it combined all of my interests into one site. So I basically did a site that was a financial stock picking site without any news on it. I was a big believer that nobody should ever, people, particularly investors, should never read the news because the news is never going to tell you enough information to buy or sell a stock. And I wanted to com combine this aspect with social media. So I could show my portfolio, you could show your portfolio, Warren Buffett could show his portfolio, and we all compare and see why we like different stocks, and we put our analysis and our research up there. Uh, we can ask questions. You know, it's a community where investors can ask each other questions, and people could rate investors so you know which investors have valuable answers and a community can develop. So I call that site stockpicker.com, that's stockpicker without an E. And um, right away, I got a ton of users. Ultimately, I had a million unique users a month. We were selling a ton of advertisements uh, to companies like Fidelity, and people were literally addicted to the site. Like People would email me and say, can you please uh, delete my account and prevent me from coming back on the site. I'm getting too addicted to it. Because people were communicating with each other, trading stock ideas, writing articles, 
and it was exciting. And that site won, you know, over, let's say, a competing site. One, another site that I had set up, I created a dating site for smokers only. So that idea, <laughs> that idea didn't work. But hey, I tried it. It cost me almost nothing to make it. I tried it. There's nothing wrong with trying things. What I love about that is a concept of fail fast, fail cheap. You had a bunch of ideas and you just wanted to see which ones would stick because just like Eric Ries in the Lean Startup says, we never really know how our product's going to be interpreted or taken by our customers or by the world until we just launch. So you just had a bunch of different ideas. You just kind of did like the submachine gun effect and just sprayed them all out there and then just saw what sticked and you saw what was working and then you focused on that one and it you didn't spend a lot of time on any of them. You didn't spend a lot of money. You just made sure the others failed fast and they failed cheap. And the one that was successful, you put all your time and effort into. And that is just so interesting. On a side note, I know you mentioned that it was stockpicker.com without an R, I mean, without an E, yeah. which obviously means that stockpicker with an E was not available. Did you ever go after that domain and see what was up with that? No, because at the time, Flickr without an E had just been bought by Yahoo. And so it was sort of generally acknowledged that I was copying Flickr's, you know, nomenclature. So uh, nobody cared about it. Yeah, it was kind of trendy at the time. I get it. It was trendy. Yeah, there was a bunch of sites that started up without the E. And I didn't mind being accused of of ripping off Flickr's style there. I mean, I was doing something with stock, so it had nothing to do with photographs. Um, And, you know, sometimes if you have a name that's too generic, like, stock picker with an E, then it's simply too generic and it's not it's not worth anything. Whereas I was building a brand around stock picker without the E. You know, I was able to make a logo and, and build something nice. I think it'd be interesting to to know or to find out what kind of volume increase that stock picker with an E actually had because of your massive success. I'm sure that his website probably had no traffic and was not successful at all comparatively to yours, especially with a million unique visits a month. So I just kind of am curious on how many people mistakenly went to his first, SAR obviously wasn't right, and then went to yours. So he got this kind of accidental traffic, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of funny. Uh, I have no idea, actually. (laughs) Well, that was just an interesting side note, and I want to move on, James, because I'm really enjoying this conversation. My oh, next... oh you, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to say one other thing about South Africa that was interesting. Yeah, please do. I, I didn't, I had no idea, I did, I, I did the worst thing you could possibly do, which is I had no idea that I had competition when I started South Africa, and it was only when I was just about done with the site that I realized there was like three or four other sites completely doing exactly what I was doing. And there was like socialpicks.com, for instance. And I, I, the first moment I realized this, I really panicked. Um, but then I realized I had confidence in myself. Like nobody knew more about investing in stock picking and financial media and internet than me. So the guys who founded these other companies, and I'm not, I don't know about social picks necessarily, but it seemed like the guys who founded my competitors were all grad students of some sort or other that were just trying to ride kind of the social media craze and apply it to financial services. Whereas I really had a love of the financial industry, I had a love for media, and I had a love for the internet. And it was the combination of these things that it didn't even matter that I had competition. Ultimately, I blew everyone away instantly. No, thank you for sharing that with us. That is a great add-on to that entire aspect of it. 
James, have you had an I've made it moment? I had an I've made it moment when I sold my first company. I thought, man, this is it. I'm rich. I've made it. I have my FU money. I'm free. <laughs> I'm immortal. And of course, that wasn't true. And I've never had an I've made it moment since then. So I, I discount heavily the I've made it moment that, that people have. I mean, I work every day towards doing what I can to enhance myself, which in turn will enhance the lives of the people around me. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm too unsatisfied permanently because of that initial experience, but I, I, never, I never rest. Nope. I love that answer, James. And I love this question in general because every entrepreneur approaches it differently. Some entrepreneurs just say, wow, I have an I've made a moment every single day. Others say, I'll never have an I've made a moment. And for me, it's more about the journey. It's more about the milestones. It's so important to enjoy the achievements that you have on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis as an entrepreneur. And the I've made it to me, that kind of denotes the end. And, and for me, there's never really the end of the journey. You're always continuing on. So I just love the question because of the different answers that it evokes. I love your answer. But let's just move on from that because there's a couple of things I really want to ask you before we have to end this interview. You have a lot of very exciting things going on right now in your business world. But what's one thing that's really exciting you about your business or what you're doing in business right now? Right now, I would say that the thing that I enjoy the most is writing. So I write on my own blog, jamesaltatrue.com, and I write about my experiences as an entrepreneur, as a lifepreneur, as a human. Uh, and I write about anything. I don't just write about businesses or startups or the economy. I write about anything. And sometimes I write on TechCrunch or the Wall Street Journal, but my main focus is on jamesaltatrue.com, both the blog and the books I'm creating out of it. I'm giving a lot more uh, talks related to the content on my site. Uh, I'm holding a retreat to discuss all these things at uh, kind of a wellness resort called Propalu uh, in January. Uh, so I'm excited about these things. And what's great about doing this is that, again, when I'm focused on enhancing the lives of those around me, then opportunities come to me. So people see my blog and they see, oh, this is a trustworthy guy. He's being honest. He exposes himself on his blog. He, he's being generous with his information. I trust him. And so people call me with opportunities. And I would say that's why I'm on the board of directors of a public company. That's why I'm the advisor to several private companies. That's why I have the opportunity to invest, angel invest in several companies that have approached me. I would say almost every opportunity I'm in right now is because of my writing. So I always focus every single day on the writing. A day doesn't go by where at least, you know, six to 10 hours a day I'm not focused on uh, reading and or writing. Awesome stuff, James. You are definitely in a great situation right now. We've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round, and this is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Does that sound like okay. a plan? Yeah, I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> what was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, fear. I thought I, I was at HBO. I thought I had the best job in the world, and I thought if I left that, nobody would ever return my calls again, and I was absolutely right. What is the best business advice you ever received? Stay at home. So, so I was trying to sell my first business and I put up all these big maps and I had arrows all over Europe and 
you know, South America and Canada, and I said, oh, we're opening up offices here. And a very uh, older guy who was the CEO of a company that was buying my company said, sometimes the best business is right here at home, which is true. New York City is the center of the business world. Well, what was I doing in, you know, all over Europe? What's something that's working for you or your business right now? Always focusing on learning, always focusing on enhancing lives of the people around me. Love it. Do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with Fire Nation? Yeah, my my Galaxy Note 2 is a computer, it's a tablet, and it's a phone. And it's like it's like an office in my pocket. <laughs> office in my pocket, I love it. It sounds a little strange, but <laughs> there it is. <laughs> no, it's like back when we were kids, we used to have the monsters in my pocket. Like, it makes right, sense. Exactly. So, James, what entrepreneurial book would you recommend to Fire Nation? The best thing are books like uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, is a very, very good book for always reminding you to stay focused in the present instead of being uh, anxious about the future or regretting the past, which is the, the common downfall of many entrepreneurs. No, that is absolutely an entrepreneurial book because any book that can help the full range, the full spectrum of what it means to be an entrepreneur is extremely important. And that is one that I personally read as well that I love. So James, this is the last question. It's my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time digest it, and then just come back with a good answer. Imagine you wake up tomorrow and you're in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you know nobody. You still have all the experience and knowledge that you currently have, your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop or your Galaxy Note 2 and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Uh, first off, I, I wake up every morning and I do think that. Nice. So... I'll tell you exactly what I would do, which is I would write about my experiences. I would do social media to spread the word, and I would wait for the opportunities to come in because I know the one rule that works in every world, on every planet in this universe, which is that if you enhance the lives of the people around you, opportunities will, will come right back at you. I love that, James. That was straight up actionable advice, and you've given us actionable advice this entire interview, and we're all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then give yourself a plug, and then we'll say goodbye. I, I, I would say the main thing is don't get weighed down in regrets or failures or details. Stick to how you can always enhance Again, I repeat this again and again, but enhance the lives of everyone around you today. Just list today all the people you could help and do that every day. And don't worry about the future outcomes. Don't, get, don't be afraid or have anxieties about the future. Just who can you help today? And that's going to build your, your best business. And then for a plug, uh, go to jamesalpature.com, my website, and everything else, you know, everything on there is free. And I have over 500 posts you can enjoy and I write every day or almost every day. James, this will all be in the show notes, entrepreneuronfire.com slash 101. You are our first episode after we just crossed the century mark. So it's very exciting. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, your generous sharing of information. Fire Nation, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. Glad to be here.
All right, Fire Nation. Are you pumped up to create a podcast and share your message with the world? Don't let your lack of time, knowledge, or skills hold you back. All you need to do is record an MP3, send it to my team at Entrepreneur on Fire, and we do the rest. It's really that simple. Visit podplatform.com. That's podplatform.com to find out more. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.